Good morning. It's 11 minutes before 8 a.m. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW in Sitka. Today is Wednesday, April 28, 2021. I'm Peter Apathy with Local News. The city may receive a $1 million donation from an international cruise line, which the company says comes with no strings attached. When the Sitka Assembly met last night, it voted to accept the donation, but it held off on deciding how to spend the funds. KCAW's Catherine Rose reports. City Administrator John Leach told the Assembly that Norwegian Cruise Line Holdings is offering the city of Sitka a million-dollar donation to ease the economic effects of the ongoing cruise suspension in Alaska. Leach said representatives from the company made the offer during a recent phone meeting, but he wanted to know what are the conditions for the donation. Before I even asked that question, they were um, very forthcoming and said that this is a no-strings-attached, no-quid-pro-quo um, and they will have no involvement in the distribution um, decision that the city um, decides to make. Leach said the company plans to make similar donations to other Alaska communities, but did not specify which ones. KCAW has reached out to Norwegian Cruise Line for comment. The cruise line and its subsidiaries have been sending ships to Sitka for over two decades. And it's invested heavily in southeast Alaska, funding cruise dock expansions in Huna and Ketchikan, and recently purchasing three acres of Juneau waterfront property where it plans to build a new dock. Leach said first he needed the assembly's approval to accept the money. Then once the donation is officially received, they could meet again and decide what to do with it. You could direct me to um, provide some input to you on places where we could spend that. We could come back with another discussion direction decision item uh, at a future assembly meeting with some ideas. We could hear from the community for a while, take public input then. But member Valerie Nelson already knew where she wanted the money to go. Nelson made a motion to accept the funds and put them toward capital projects or reserves. The best thing we can do is capital projects, which have been put on the back burner for now two years at least. And uh, there's a lot of things that would benefit the quality of life for the residents, as well as improve the uh, issues I think that tourists visit our community for. But Mayor Stephen Eisenbeis said he wasn't ready to commit the money to a specific purpose. So I'm happy to accept it, um, but at this point I'm uncomfortable allocating it to a certain cause. Although I do agree with the notion that uh, if we don't put it into a certain pot right now, that uh, the requests are going to start pouring in um, and everybody's going to want a little bit of the free money. I think that's for a, another night and another discussion. Nelson's motion failed one to four with members Crystal Duncan, Rebecca Hemshute, Kevin Mosher and Mayor Eisenbeis voting against. A second motion to accept the funds without any stipulations passed four to one with member Nelson opposed. Leach said he would contact Norwegian Cruise Line and accept the offer. He said there was no set timeline for when the city should receive the money. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Catherine Rose. The Alaska Marine Highway System ferry Matanuska is still broken down in Ketchikan and isn't expected to move until Saturday afternoon. The Department of Transportation said yesterday that crews are awaiting parts for the starboard engine, which failed over the weekend. The mainline ferry was already delayed about 12 hours on Sunday after two crew members tested positive for COVID-19. They were close contacts of two infected engineering crew taken off the ship last week. But a delay in test results apparently allowed a second group of infected crew to sail north from Bellingham last weekend. 
DOT says the 34 passengers and 33 vehicles still on the ship are being rebooked or refunded. The loss of Southeast Alaska's mainliner has repercussions across the region. It had been scheduled to call in ports across Southeast, including Skagway. That's where Eric Strathy and his pregnant partner had planned to ride the Matanuska to Juneau to be close to a hospital. You don't want to be having the baby in Skagway <laughs> or, you know, any of the other smaller boroughs just for the health of the child. So I'll put you in a tight spot. Reduced passenger capacities imposed due to COVID-19 means the couple has limited options for getting their vehicle booked on the smaller ferry Leconte. The Matanuska broke down about a year ago. It took more than a month to repair, effectively shutting down regional ferry service. That was just months after it had new engines installed as part of a $47 million overhaul at the Vigor Alaska shipyard in Ketchikan. And a new study from the Alaska Native Tribal Health Consortium shows that cancer rates among Alaska Native people have gone up over the last half century. Researchers say the data point to opportunities for prevention. KTOO's Claire Strempel reports. The most common cancers among Alaska Native people are breast, colorectal, and lung cancer. With screenings like mammograms and colonoscopies, they can be detected and treated early. Yet, cancer remains the leading cause of death for Alaska Native people. And it has been for decades. This is outrageous. You know, why are we not at war with this thing? Why are we not doing more? Eric Fox lost his mother to cancer in 2017. Within months, he was serving on the state's advisory board to the American Cancer Society. He says you'd be hard-pressed to talk to anyone in the Alaska Native community that hasn't lost someone close to them to cancer. It's happening every day. You know, one-fifth of our deaths in the Alaska Native community are attributed to cancer. Fox's mother died after a long battle with colorectal cancer. Data collected by the Alaska Native Tribal Health Consortium showed that Alaska Native people have the highest rates of colorectal cancer in the world. That rate of that cancer has been constant over the last half century, while the incidence among U.S. white people has gone down. It's a growing disparity. And this disparity has persisted for the entire time that we've had a cancer registry. Sarah Nash is the Cancer Surveillance Director at the Alaska Native Tribal Health Consortium. She and her team collect cancer information in a tumor registry for all Indigenous people living in the state of Alaska. These data provide a baseline from which we can then go away and ask other questions. And we can use this for the base of public health programming and research. Screening for cancer is one element of prevention. Lifestyle choices like healthy diet, exercise, and quitting smoking can significantly reduce the risks. But she says cancer is a tough problem to solve. Each case has more than one contributing factor. Every cancer is a different jigsaw puzzle. And so for one person, that their jigsaw puzzle may look like smoking and um, historical trauma and lack of physical activity. And for another person, it might look completely different. It might look like genetics and diet and exposure to some kind of chemical or some kind of workplace exposure. It's rare to have cancer data that spans 50 years, but the tumor registry at ANTHC does. This year, the data team released a report that compiles that data. Researchers say the findings are crucial to addressing higher rates of certain cancers and health disparities. 
For example, physicians usually recommend anyone over 50 years old be screened for colorectal cancer. But the registry showed Alaska Native patients tended to get the cancer at a younger age. So ANTHC changed the recommendation to people 40 years and older. Ayu Kasatuk, a breast cancer survivor, says she'd like to see more Alaska-specific protocols like that one. At the time that I went through cancer as a young woman, younger than so-called normal, there were a number of other Alaska Native women who I was going through treatment with at the same time who were having the exact same experience. Younger than, you know, the recommended age for annual mammograms and those kinds of things. Kasatuk found her cancer by chance in her late 30s. She's been cancer-free for a few years, but she's still managing long-term health effects from treatment. She says if cancer messaging had been targeted to her demographic, she would have been more likely to pay attention and perform monthly self-checks. She says indigenous knowledge could also be incorporated into cancer treatment. Things like plant medicine and ceremony helped heal her whole person. She says it's important to take a holistic approach when talking about health disparities, too. We need to be able to really look at those things and be able to talk about them and not look at the statistics in isolation from the context that created them. I want to have those conversations about how we, how we talk about health equity and the root causes of the inequities that we experience. The cancer data highlights a hard reality, but Eric Fox, the advocate working with the American Cancer Society, says it's one that can change with more awareness. And he says medical recommendations are just one part of that solution. The other is changing what he calls a generational mindset of toughing things out. We've got to make it okay in our community to have these conversations, to bring awareness, and ask the people that we love and care about to go and get these screenings. Colonoscopies and mammograms can be a delicate subject, but he wants to eliminate those taboos. A little bit of discomfort can save a life. For KTOO, I'm Claire Strimple. And that's all for Raven News for this hour. You can listen to or read our stories again on our website at kcaw.org. Hope you're having a good morning. The time is 8 o'clock. Just a reminder, coming up at 5 p.m. today, President Joe Biden will address Congress to mark his 100th day in office. Raven Radio will air NPR's special coverage of the event. Local news will air early at 4.49. And just a reminder, coming up on our live local interview at 8.16 this morning, I'll be talking with health educators Helena Van Veen and Doug Osborne about Move for a Cause in May. It's a program that asks participants to log their activities like 